0: Hi, this is Giles. I appreciate you tuning in to this podcast and thank you for supporting our ministry campaigns. It's my prayer that these podcasts will help you to experience God's very best in every area of your life. And today I want to be giving you five reasons why you should be a soul winner right now. Okay. And uh, I want to share these things with you And I believe that what you're going to hear now will be a great inspiration for you to be more fruitful um, and focus more and really um, use this time that we have as profitably as possible. Okay, so we're talking about why I believe you should be a, a passionate soul winner right now. Okay, now the first reason is this, that... Uh, It's because Jesus deserves to be glorified for what he has done. And in a sense, you might think, well, you know, well, I kind of knew that already, and why should you emphasize this right now? Well, the truth is that we should always be soul winners, because by preaching the gospel, we glorify Christ, okay? And so, as soon as you hear the gospel and receive the gospel, Uh, you'll realize the work that he's done for us and so you know it should be a spontaneous outflow from our hearts okay sometimes as human beings we tend to think that the sacrifice of Christ uh, because it happened 2,000 years ago is an old thing but you need to understand that God lives outside of time or in eternity and therefore the sacrifice of his son is very very fresh in a sense it happened right now in his eyes and uh, I love that story that I sometimes tell about uh, imagine a father uh, uh, allows his son to go off to war and his son disappears to the front lines and he doesn't hear of him anymore until the news comes back that his son has died in battle but then one day he's staring out across the horizon and he sees the silhouette of a man walking towards him. And as this, this figure approaches and gets closer and closer, the father's eyes uh, are looking closely to see who it is. And then suddenly he realizes that it's his son. He's come back from war. He's survived and the news that he has died is wrong he's alive imagine the father's joy imagine how he would run towards his son and embrace him and in some senses that's just a very uh, poor uh, uh, parallel as to you know how how the father feels now that his son has been down to the battleground of earth okay died on the cross rose again now ascended into heaven he's been received back into heaven imagine how god the Father. Felt at that moment when he saw his son coming back in through the gates of glory how he would have run to embrace His son, but that's not something 2,000 years old literally it's something that's being celebrated in the here and now in Heaven because they're outside of time and so we should always have that same sort of Passionate spontaneous response every day, you know, we need to glorify Jesus because look what he's just done Okay, and um Also, you need to remember that the principal reason for uh, being a soul winner for evangelizing isn't actually because of human necessity, but really it's the response of a grateful heart. And again, I like to point out that in the book of Acts in chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God filled those first disciples, the Bible says that they left the upper room, went down onto the streets, and uh, people heard what they were saying they were full of the spirit and they said this in verse 11 we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of god it was only later that peter got up uh, you know when the crowd started to say hey they're drunk on wine and peter got up and said these aren't drunk as you suppose that this is that which was spoken by the prophet joel that God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, and then he begins to preach the gospel. But the first thing they did was actually declare the wonderful works of God. And so the primary reason for preaching the gospel is actually to glorify God, to declare the wonderful works that He has done, who he is, what he's done, and so forth. Saving of souls, in a sense, is secondary to that, or the result of that. But people who understand this realize, I need to be a soul winner, I need to be a preacher, I need to declare this good news first and foremost to glorify Him, to glorify Jesus for what He's done. The fact that people get saved is a wonderful consequence to that, okay? And so I encourage you today, uh, be a preacher of the gospel, be a soul winner, not primarily to soul-saves, but actually primarily to glorify God. Of course, in a sense, when you do that, takes the pressure off you as well because the results then are with him your job is to lift up his name to glorify his works Uh, his job in a sense is to convict and convert and bring people into the kingdom okay the second reason I want to give you is because fulfilling the Great Commission is the response of a grateful heart now I know perhaps you've heard in the past that the Great Commission is uh, an order not an option it's a commission it's a commandment okay and therefore we have to do it you know it's our duty to do it it's our responsibility to do it and i agree with you it is and of course in matthew 28 um, and in mark 16 you have this great commission that we should go into all the world make disciples of all disciples of all nations that we should preach to every creature etc and that is a command it's a commission it's a it's an order But here's the issue. We should never do things for the Lord out of fear, but out of faith. Not we shouldn't keep the commandments because we have to, but because we want to. Now, when you're doing things out of a heart that wants to, it's very different than doing things out of a heart that has to okay you're being forced to do it so you know it's rather like Jesus saying to the disciples you've got to go and preach this gospel and if you don't then you're uh, unfaithful disobedient servants now of course in a sense there's a level of truth in that but if people if his disciples trudged off and only did it because they have to what glory would God get out of that what pleasure would God get out of that In fact, the scripture says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we do things out of faith, not out of fear. Not because we have to and there'll be a reprimand if we don't do it. But because we're so grateful that we are saved. So now we want to help other people to be saved. You know, there's a wonderful uh, old Bob Dylan song that goes something like this. uh, Considering all that you've done for me, what can I do for you? It's like a response of a grateful heart, okay? And so that's why we are passionate soul winners, because we just wanna, we wanna share this glory and this grace that we've received, and we feel like there's a load of people out there who need to hear it, and, and that's the, the right thing and appropriate thing to do. Now, remember in John 14 and 15, Jesus said these words. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments okay so you keep God's commandments not because you have to but because you love God so because now you love him you want to please him you want to do things that uh, that he likes that he wants okay when I fell in love with my wife I discovered what her desires are and I began to fulfill those desires because I loved her okay just the thing I love her and the same now that I've discovered that God's passion is that we be fruitful multiply fill the earth with sons and daughters spiritual sons take the gospel to the world having discovered that that's his passion therefore because I love him I do it not because I have to not because I'm ordered to but because I want to because it's uh, it, it, you know my I want my I want to sh- I want my heart to do the things that are in the, the heart of God you know, one of the other translations says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So we don't keep the commandments out of force, but it's out of the spirit of love and gratitude. Um, like, it's the same thing if you read the story about the adulterous woman in John chapter 4, uh, when they come, the Pharisees come and ask Jesus whether he thinks she should be stoned, and he replies, Uh, Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And then from the oldest to the youngest, they all drop their stones and go off. And uh, Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The very one who could condemn, who had no sin, uh, he said, I don't sin. But then it's interesting. He says, Go and sin no more. Now, if you understand that in its original rendering, actually, it said more not as a threat, but as a promise and again this depends on the eyes that you look at scripture with and understand the the heart of God with Jesus isn't threatening her saying go and sin no more you you naughty thing he's saying because you've now experienced no condemnation because you've now experienced my love and my grace you will go and you will sin no more okay you will leave behind a life of disobedience and you'll do things that are right and pleasing because you've now experienced my love, it's the response of a grateful heart so when you understand that there's no condemnation okay there's only grace from god to you you begin to sin no more. It draws you. His love, his cords of love, draw you away from your sin. And it's the same with the commission. You know, When you understand how much he's done for us, you don't go and do the commission because you have to, because some preacher points a finger or somebody tells you if you don't, then the blood of others will be upon your hands. No, you do it out of a grateful heart. That's why you should be a, a soul winner right now, out of gratitude. Okay? Now, the third reason... Is because obviously many people have yet to hear about Jesus okay but beyond that many people have yet to hear the gospel of grace now let me just explain this to you research shows that over 2 billion people on planet Earth have never heard of Christ now that's a huge amount of people and just remember this there are more people alive on planet Earth today, Okay, nearly 8 billion, I think it's 7.9 7. billion now, getting there. Um, there, are, there are more people alive on planet Earth today than there have been in all the generations previous today if you added them up together. So in all other generations, there have been less than 8 billion people. So in other words, there's been an explosion of population. There's so many people alive on planet Earth today, uh, which is wonderful. And I believe God's allowed that because he's a, how can I say, a big daddy. Right from the beginning in Genesis, I already quoted it. He said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. In other words, I've made you, Adam and Eve, to be my son and my daughter. Now I've put the power of creativity or productivity or procreation in you because i want lots of sons and daughters not just one or two but an earth full he wants billions and this he's got plenty of glory and plenty of resources to share okay Uh, and so that expresses the heart of god but of the eight billion that are on planet earth right now two billion of them have never ever heard the gospel uh, never heard about jesus Mm -hmm. and as somebody once said you know Why should we be telling people about the second coming of Jesus if there's a lot of people who've never heard about the first coming of Jesus? And I agree entirely. So we have to preach the gospel because there's a huge amount of people, a quarter of the earth's population has yet to hear about Jesus. But let me add to that, of the 6 billion that have heard about Jesus, the name of Jesus, or whatever it is, many of them, and I don't know the exact proportions, but I would, I would say billions of them as well, have not heard the gospel of grace. And of course, it's very different to hear about Jesus and hear about the gospel. You have to understand who Jesus is and what he did. I loved that film, The Passion of Christ, that Mel Gibson did and showed that, you know, the passion, his, his sufferings, and his death before his resurrection. It's a wonderful film that depicts with graphic detail these incredible sufferings of him being whipped and condemned and, and receiving a crown of thorns and other things, ultimately being crucified and dying. Um, but interestingly, if you think about it, the film needs a preacher. Why? Because the film says what happened but it doesn't say why it happened. Okay, doesn't show you that Christ died in order to take your sins upon him okay and then he rose again in order that his righteousness be transferred to you only a preacher can explain those things a film can't do that it just shows the facts but it doesn't show you the whys behind it and so there are billions of people likewise on planet earth who know the facts about Jesus they've heard the story whether in a very religious context or not they know that there was a guy called Jesus who um, people think is the son of God, or but some people believe is the son of God, and he died under Roman law two thousand years ago outside Jerusalem, and then they say that he rose again from the dead. That's that's the facts, okay? And you may even believe that that happened. You may believe the historical sources or the the gospel stories, but that doesn't mean that you understand the gospel of grace, because the gospel of grace shows you that. We couldn't save ourselves, okay? Even our righteous acts were filthy rags in the eyes of God. We can't get into heaven unclean. God is perfect. He lives in unapproachable light, okay? No one could get into the kingdom of heaven um, any more than that we could fly close to the sun without dying. Because, you know, Christ is brighter than the noonday sun. His glory is so powerful So in other words, we need to be completely transformed and cleansed to enter into his glory. And he's not going to change himself in the sense of lower his level of glory or light. That's who he is. So he transforms us in order to enter in. He washes us clean and gives us a new nature and ultimately a celestial body so that we can dwell with him. So this is his gracious offering. We can't do that on ourselves. We can't get to heaven any more than we can jump to the moon, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But God loved the world in such a manner that he sent his only begotten son to do something that we couldn't do. So it's through that gift of grace, through that work of his that we're saved, not through our own works. And Of course, that's, that's, an, that's now a proclamation of the work of Christ. Many people have never heard that. And lots of people are locked into this mentality that I will get to heaven if I try very hard. I'll get to heaven if I do more good things than bad things. So I'll get to heaven if I keep all these laws and commandments, keep sacraments or other religious ordinances, and then I'll get to heaven. And actually, that's not the gospel of grace. It's the gospel of works and it's that mentality that actually has led and has deceived millions and not billions of people to miss out on salvation and go to a Christless eternity and that's really serious so i'm not i'm saying that there's yes there's 2 billion people out there never even heard the name of jesus but of the 6 billion others there are billions of them too who have never heard the gospel of grace and so we have to get this message out to them and get it out to them now okay Likewise, just thinking with me a little bit further, there are millions of actual Christian believers who become ineffective in the era of soul winning because they live in a state of condemnation. Again, they haven't understood this gospel of grace, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And even if, in a moment of weakness, they fall into sin they don't understand the fact that they have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And in that moment, okay, they can experience real grace and understand real grace because the grace of God doesn't just pay for your past sins, but your present sins and your future sins. And nothing can now separate you from the love of God. So you're sealed and sanctified forever through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, If you do sin, and obviously we don't want people to sin, and that's what John was speaking about when he wrote to the church. He said, My little children, I would that you would not sin. However, if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. In other words, even if you do, you're still okay. There's no condemnation. You're not separated from God. People who don't understand that live in condemnation. And when you're in condemnation, you don't do anything for God because you think they're like, Well, God can't use me. Look, how can He use me? I'm so terrible. And the accuser, the devil, will constantly make that person feel no, God's spirit can't flow through you, God won't speak through you, uh, because look what you've done, look how terrible you are. And so, by condemnation, the devil keeps millions of Christians from being active in ministry. So, we have to get this gospel message of grace out to the church, as well as to the unbeliever, because by doing it, we will mobilize millions and millions of Christians back into the ministry. And of course, the more people preaching the gospel, the more people will be saved. So that's the third reason. Now, the fourth reason is because many believers uh, don't have effective tools and ways to communicate their faith. Remember, we're talking about reasons why you should be a soul winner right now, and um, let me just say that anybody who's got a genuine new heart, who's been regenerated or born again, they will have a desire within them to share their faith, obviously. Um, but so many believers, having said that, um, either allow timidity, the fear of man, uh, get upon them to sort of hold them back, or they just need a they lack the tools to express their faith. they have never really been trained in this area. And um, so that's really what I, why I, I do what I do as a minister, as an evangelist. The, remember, the evangelist is one of the gifts of Christ to the body. Um, but the principal work of the evangelist, beyond uh, winning souls himself or herself, is to train the body to win souls. So I spend a lot of time doing this, helping other people who perhaps are timid, perhaps haven't got tools to share their faith. You know, I equip them and empower them by the grace of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as I just mentioned, you know, really that that, that means I focus on two things. I, I pray, I spend a lot of time praying for people to receive the Holy Spirit like as in the day of Pentecost, so that filled with the fire of God, because people filled with fire and have that personal experience with the power of heaven while wow, they become courageous and bold. I mean, the classic story is Peter who denied Christ uh, to a servant girl. A few short weeks later is Peter who's preaching to multitudes who crucified Christ. Okay? So you can see a real transformation in his character, in his uh, boldness, all right, and so we, we spend a lot of time getting people filled with the Holy Spirit, but also we provide tools or strategies that help people to start an evangelistic conversation. Now, there are many people. Why should you be an evangelist right now? Because when you model it yourself, okay, then you'll inspire other people to do it as well. okay, And that will help uh, uh, the whole body get back into action. okay. But remember this. Even though there are some who aren't sharing their faith, okay, they've got a heart but they just don't know how to, and we want to train them and we want to empower them. Also, we should never wait around for others to get the job done, okay. Just because there's a lot of spiritual inertia, um, those who know how to evangelize and have a passion to do it and aren't afraid must press ahead. You know, one of the great problems that any sort of managerial course will teach you is the problem of having two people responsible for the same job okay and 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 what happens there often is that one of those persons will will think well the other person's going to do it and vice versa so in the end the job doesn't get done And so often I feel that in the body of Christ, we feel a bit like that. Oh, well, that great evangelist there or that preacher there or that person on television, he's a much better speaker than me or that church is much more dynamic than I am, etc., etc. And so we sort of back out and think, well, let's leave it to them or we find an excuse or that in a sense, the devil finds an excuse and gives it to us and we, we buy into it. But we should never be like that. I think we should take the commission as a personal word from the Lord to you individually. Son, go out there and preach to every living creature that you possibly can, okay? Um, I remember the story when somebody met with the great evangelist of of last generation, T.L. Osborne, and he had uh, a placard in his ministry headquarters saying something like, um, taking the gospel to the whole world and this person said to them mr osmond do you really believe that you can uh, win the whole world for jesus and he replied no but i'm gonna try and i think that's the the perfect answer you've got to have a vision for it you can't depend on others you've just got to do whatever you can do okay in that direction and uh, so I really learned from that myself, which is why the vision of our ministry, the great, the great mission, is to take the gospel of grace to Brazil and to billions beyond, literally the 8 billion beyond. We're going to try, okay? We're not going to do it, but we're going to try and uh, we're going to, in a sense, give our lives in that process, okay? And that's the reason, as I said, that we hold fire conferences to get people filled with the Spirit, but also the reason why I produce materials such as um, Seven Good Things that maybe you don't know and the 11th Question. These were little booklets um, that help Christians share their faith, share good things that maybe their friends never heard of, okay? Or ask 11 questions that help that person realize their need of a Savior. And just these little tools, you know, putting them in the hands. Of believers have led literally thousands and thousands to be saved um, when we first launched uh, the 11th question which is now 15 years ago um, we, we, we evangelized 70,000 people in one month only and baptized 3,000 and that was just in one city in one month we more recently launched seven good things and that tool was used in a worldwide strategy Um, And we baptize 15,000 people and partly as a result of using that tool and equip believers to share their faith one-on-one, to do these presentations of seven good things in cell groups, in schools, online and other places. So these tools can be really, really useful in, in, in helping you to be Uh, to be fruitful so you should be a soul winner now because there are tools and there is fire available okay jesus didn't give us commission and then make it impossible for us to fulfill okay he gave us a commission and he gave us the equipment to fulfill that commission okay and finally why should you be a soul winner right now well ultimately because time is short okay time is short and uh that, that I believe is an is a increasing thing. You know, today there is one less day of opportunity than there was yesterday. Um, before I just touch on why I believe time is short, let's remember this. Nobody knows the day or the hour that Christ will return. So in a sense, we should always treat time as short. The early Christians in the day of, uh, of the book of Acts, They believed that Jesus would be coming back literally any day or week, which is why they all stayed in Jerusalem. They sold all the things they had to look after the people who were from outside, who traveled there, had nowhere to stay. People sold properties and lands, laid their their offerings at the apostles' feet because they were sure that literally, just as he had ascended into heaven a few days before, he was going to come back a few days later. And so there was this urgency in everything they did. Now, obviously, now we understand that the Lord had a much bigger plan. Was you know, wanted a much bigger world population, wants to have a much bigger family and share his glory with much more people. And that's why he's delayed, in a sense, his return. But nobody knows the day of the return of the Lord, which is why we should always sort of live as if it's our last day, so to speak. And likewise, nobody really knows when you're going to leave planet Earth, you know, when your time uh, uh, is going to be done here. So again, that should give us a daily urgency. But also, I believe the time is short because of certain signs. And remembering what Jesus said, because he used different teachings to help his followers um, recognized the seasons and the times okay and uh, for example about israel talking of israel he used the sign of the fig tree and he said this when it, when when a branch of a fig tree has become tender and puts forth leaves you know that summer is near so also when you see these things know that it is near at the doors that jerusalem he said will be trampled by the gentiles uh, until the times of the gentiles are fulfilled and so um, using israel in a sense as a time clock as a prophetic clock to show what's happening uh, in the divine realm in terms of the return of the lord and so he's saying look at israel now first of all he said you know when it begins to flourish okay remember israel became a nation state again in 1967 so that was a massive sign through israel that these were the end times and now he also said that uh, uh, Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles have been fulfilled. Now you can see that Jerusalem, you know, is in the hands of the Jews. And even embassies, nation states, Brazilian, the Brazilian embassy, the American embassy, and others are going back to Jerusalem. This shows that that the Jerusalem is coming back completely into the hands of the Jews. It's going to be the central capital of. Israel. These are signs of the times. Now, if you want to get a deeper teaching on that, please look at my video on uh, the flourishing of Israel. Okay, I'll leave the, the link in the description. You can get understand how Israel is a real sign of the time. The time is really short. Other things such as the coming of a one world government. Again, I've got a video on that. You can look at that as well. I'll leave the link and we can see how governments are, in a sense, coming together and acting in unity like never before. And actually this one, this, this, uh, one world government seems to have more power than actual national governments now. Okay, we look, I've looked, in this video you can look at things like the World Health Organization, the World Health Organization, who? Okay, how actually that's dictating two national presidents, okay? They seem to have a higher power The natural nation states now in terms of determining what should happen during this pandemic and other things. These are signs of the times that an antichrist, totalitarian, one world government will come into place, and I believe fairly soon. Other signs, such as the great apostasy, men's hearts growing cold in the last days, lots of people falling away from the faith, I think that is happening too, in a sense. On the one hand, there's a vibrant, glorious church arising, but on the other hand, those who were, in a sense, Christianonian name, okay, are now being shown to not be built upon the rock, okay? So that is a sign of the time as well, showing us that time is short, my friends. Why should you be a soul winner? Well, for all these five reasons, okay? I wanna encourage you today, tune into what I've said, okay? Let it speak into your own spirit because it's when you have that fire stoked on the inside of you that you will be passionate about sharing this wonderful message with other people. I don't believe that this quarantine or lockdown uh, uh, is here to stop the word going forth. Actually, I believe it's a shaking so that actually people are now more open to hear good news of hope of 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 the future Uh, i believe that now people are more open to the gospel than ever so the lord's permitted it i'm not saying all these problems have come because of the lord but he's permitted it so that more and more people can be saved so let's respond accordingly amen if you have never personally accepted jesus as your lord and savior pray these words after me lord jesus I repent of my sins and ask you to wash me clean with your blood. Give me a new heart and a fresh start. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Now that you have prayed that prayer, we believe that you are saved. Get in touch with us at thegreatmission.org to receive your free digital booklet, Welcome to the Family. The ministry of Giles Stevens is maintained by the prayers and financial support of monthly partners. More and more people are looking up rather than around for answers to life and are open to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wherever the ministry is holding campaigns, thousands are responding and seeing real-life transformation. Would you consider joining us taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations by a monthly contribution, no matter the amount? friends? Together we can fill God's throne room with people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. That's the vision we have for all of our partners, that in the future when we stand before the Lord, we will be able to celebrate together when we see people from all nations coming in as a result of your support. So if you'd like to become a partner of the ministry, please visit us at www.thegreatmission.org. Thanks again for tuning in. Remember to subscribe and to share this podcast with a friend so that God's kingdom can keep growing in you and through you. God bless you.